you and I have always, for since uh, November of ni- or December 3rd, maybe December 4th, 1993, we've always got to live as people that were state champions, state champion football, undefeated season. It's been a privileged life ever since then. And I can't imagine what life would be if you didn't have that. No, I have a brother who actually didn't win state. And you, you just assume that he's going to, you know, end up in a gutter with a bottle of cheap booze. And like, because why would you, why are you alive? Right? Yeah. Why go if on? You, why go on if you didn't win state? Why even try to be successful? And he actually became a lawyer. Uh, and this is like his team didn't even make it to the finals. Like his football team made it to the state semifinals. Uh, so this is just a hard luck story of failure. He became a lawyer, has a family, actually got married, found a woman that would actually marry him. Interesting. Not sure what what's wrong with her. But uh, th- this is a successful story. So what my point is, if your kid, with all the private coaching and everything, isn't a state champion, wasn't born with the talent that Lance and I uh, had, they could, they might become winners. They're never going to be winners. I sh- that's too much. But they might actually survive. They might survive, right? And my brother is proof of that. I agree, man. I, I always had a very negative view of your brother for his lack of success athletically, and uh, it's pretty impressive what he's been able to do. He has a house. He has he's a, house a house with a roof. I know, man. Yeah. You know, what, one thing he doesn't have is hardware. Yeah. I wish I could high five you, man. I know, bro. We're still state champions. On today's show, the middle-aged man news and trends, parental expectations, hair growth, rising cannabis use among middle-aged people, and men's parenting perceptions. In the Men's Room segment, we explore the pressure to make your kids successful. And we return to the open mic. Support for Seniors 94 comes from the Loud Muffler for Bicycles. Chart the path for your son to become a total prick. The Loud Muffler for Bicycles is a rechargeable electric noise maker that attaches directly underneath bicycle seats to mimic the roar of custom exhaust hits on cars. Your son will get practice brushing off the stink guy from passers-by. He'll develop an awareness that he's pissing people off, but he'll learn not to care. The loud muffler for bicycles builds self-esteem and resilience. By the time your son is driving his first car, he'll be able to ignore middle fingers and eye rolls from exacerbated drivers at traffic lights. When people call him a racer boy douchebag or a boom car dick stick, it will mean nothing to him. By his late teens, your oblivious son will install a giant subwoofer in his tricked out car. It will be a destructive double whammy for the neighborhood. 
his blaring bass will rattle the hell out of anyone and anything he comes within 500 feet of. Pets and other small animals like squirrels and rabbits will hate him too. The loud muffler for bicycles, preparing kids to become inconsiderate pricks for 14 years. It's the Middle Age Man News and Trends by Seniors94. Our top story comes from the American Psychological Association. Rising parental expectations and criticism are linked to an increase in perfectionism among college students, which can have damaging mental health consequences, according to new research published by the APA. Researchers analyzed data from more than 20,000 American, Canadian, and British college students. They found that young people's perceptions of their parents' expectation and criticism have increased over the past 32 years. Perfectionism contributes to many psychological conditions, including depression, anxiety, self-harm, and eating disorders, said lead researcher Thomas Coran, Ph.D. and assistant professor of psychological and behavioral science at the London School of Economics and Political Science. Matt, given this research, are you going to stop calling your son a pussy? Lance, I got to say, you mentioned eating disorders, and I'm about ready to go vomit because you read that like a piece of shit. Look, I've invested time, I've invested money, I've invested my emotions, my heart and soul into this, and you're going to come out here and settle for mediocrity. It's like you're saying, I don't want listeners, I don't want success. If you keep reading like that, we're going to have to get jobs again. So let's get it together. I want you to act like you care next time you read, okay? As far as the article, this actually sounds like this was written by a clever 13-year-old that's just trying to get out of their chores and try to get out of their practice, which I commend them. It's pretty awesome. I could actually see my son writing this article, tired of me keeping stats at his basketball practice. Dad, why are you keeping stats at my basketball practice? Not only that, you're making up stats that don't exist. What is a hustle, Dad? I can't get a quadruple double as you're requesting if I don't even know what the hell stat you're making up. Give me a break. Go easy, Matt. Go easy. He's just a boy. Our next story comes from USA Today via Yahoo's Daryl Austin. Myths and truths about hair loss and hair growth. One long-standing myth about hair growth is that trimming your hair more often will stimulate growth. It's not true. The rate of hair growth is primarily determined by genetics, but there are some outside factors that can contribute to hair growth. Apparently, Rogaine can help, anabolic steroids can help, and doses of testosterone can help. But probably the healthiest thing you can do is eat protein-rich foods. Be aware, not all hair growth is positive. Sprouting random hair across the body can be a sign of Cushing's disease. And it's worth noting, chronic stress can really put a damper on hair follicle development. Matt, you got a good head of hair, but it might be in jeopardy with this recent stress in your life. Have you considered juicing roids to protect that luscious mane? Uh, No, Lance, I have not considered roids. I don't need roids, and I've got a pile of phone books that I torn in half uh, to prove it. All right, I just want to make sure I heard the article correctly. I think the author actually said that random growing hair all over your body is actually a bad thing. And I'm shocked. As a fan of Team Wolf, I thought it was pretty awesome. I thought that meant I'm ready to start car surfing and crushing keg stands. Apparently, I should be worried for my health if that happens. So that's good to know. I think I have a solution for this hair loss problem that's that's plaguing 
the men of the world. Uh, sometime in my 40s, I started growing braidable hair out of my ears. If I don't trim my ears like every so often, within a few weeks, I'll look like one of those Jewish guys at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Uh, so whatever is happening there, as much as it's annoying, I think we need to bottle that and start rubbing it on people's heads. And I guarantee you within like a month, the guys that use it will look like the Beatles in 1968. Another glib and shitty take by Matt. Our next story comes from CNN's Gary Viswanathan. Middle-aged people like to party. According to a University of Michigan study, cannabis use has been spiking among adults ages 35 to 50. 28% use marijuana in 2022, up from 17% five years ago. Marijuana usage among middle-aged adults is nearly the same as reported by high school seniors. Matt, you've taken a few hits in your day. What do you think is behind the surge in middle-aged folks blazing? Well, Lance, I don't even, I don't appreciate the attack. Uh, I don't even know how to talk about it. What do we say? Do we say do the pot? Uh, I would have to say I think adults are doing the pot because it's legal and it's generating tax dollars. And what they're thinking about every time they smoke or do the pot is their community. They're thinking about the education system, parks, recreation. Every time they buy the marijuana, it, it's a win for society. I think that's why people are 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 investing in this new form of recreation as for class of 23 uh let's get it together folks you're losing out to a bunch of middle-aged 40-somethings as far as who's smoking more ganja get it together you're about to go to college next year if parents are putting pressure on their kids to overachieve you better start putting pressure on them to learn how to party you can't just roll up to college and be like i've never smoked weed you are going to be a loser day one. You need to get it together, folks. Your life depends on it. Another subpar take from Matt. Our last story comes care of Pew Research Catherine Schaefer. Stop judging dad's parenting. Pew Research did a survey about men's perceptions of parenting and yielded some interesting findings. 26% of dads view parenting as the most important part of their identity versus 35% for women. Dads spend the bulk of their time playing with their kids versus helping with school or even caring for them. And the second stat, fathers are more likely to feel judged by their spouse for how they parent. 56% of men feel judged. Matt, how does your parenting stack up against these two stats? Well, if I'm hearing this correctly, Lance, it sounds like we've shifted from criticizing dads being deadbeat fathers that aren't involved to now we're criticizing them for parenting being a huge part of their life and their identity. What should dads do? Stop playing with their kids, apparently. That's a bad thing. Here's the thing. There's a stat in that article that says that 56% of dads feel judged. That number is wrong, in my opinion. That number is actually 100%. And I'm not just talking about in the family or at home with your spouse. I'm talking about in public. Any man who's been out in public, like a playground or a bowling alley or somewhere where you are by yourself with your kid, you can feel the gaze of the eyes of women out there just waiting for you to screw things up as an idiot parent. There must be a stat out there in like women's groups or I don't know, maybe an L magazine or something 
that says like 95% of children left alone with their fathers will die within two hours. Here's the thing, ladies, just be happy that we're there involved with our kids. Stop giving us unsolicited advice or direction and let us do our jobs. Middle-aged man, news and trends. Middle-aged man, news for you. One, two, three, four. Welcome to the men's room. This week's episode, we're getting into the perfectionist type parents. We're getting into pressure parenting. We're getting into our own emotions around parenting. And Matt, it all started for me when my kids went to kindergarten and and folks should know they're now 15 and 18, almost 18. But when they went to kindergarten, we were confronted with advanced kindergarten, really good, really exceptional kids, and regular kindergarten, normal, putty, dopey kids, right? Advanced kindergarten, I think they got all the way through the letter Z and up to number 20. And in regular kindergarten, they got maybe to letter Q and they only went to number 11. And, you know, so right away, parents are uh, sucked into this gifted and talented mindset. How can I make my kids special? What experience do you have with that? So down here in Costa Rica, there's maybe a little different than what's going on there. There's definitely a, uh, a shift. The country prided itself in the public education system, and now people with a little bit of money are clamoring to get their kids into uh, private schools. Now here, when you make a kindergarten or preschool decision, a lot of times you're making a decision on the next 12 years of your kid's life because a lot of times they stay in, in the same school. So we had that pressure. We didn't really feel it. We, we, we weren't worried about it, and we just got lucky. They ended up in a good school. But it, it is happening, and I probably almost in an idiotic way. Like I resist this whole idea of like advanced learning up, learning in excellent schools and all this stuff. I resisted it like without even knowing if they had any relevance. I was just like, that can't be real. That can't be useful. That was my, that was my reaction. My kids were like three and I heard anyone talk about, Oh, we're trying to get them in a good kindergarten. I was like, idiots, you're being fooled. And I really don't know. Like, do, do you have any, any, is there any data out there that says, I, I, we were making jokes that if you go to regular kindergarten, you're going to be a career criminal. Is there any data that actually says that these learning excellence centers help? I don't have any clue, but I do know that there is some fanaticism or there was around the school rating sites. Uh, there's one called Great Schools. I know my wife was keen on looking at that at every step of the way. She's since sort of stopped. Well, I think our kids are lost causes. That's a joke. They're doing fine. (laughs) This site, great schools will assess schools on all sorts of levels and dimensions, including like demographics. And you'll see, uh, you'll see these mothers get all excited that, wow, they're doing so good. And look at all the diversity and, and pick a school based on that. To me, I can't see how those decisions will uh, guarantee your kid to be a success because there's so much personality involved in the development of a child. There's just, there's genetic, genetic load, psychological load. And so it's, it's interesting to me, but the pressure's real. Is the pressure though, like a, a keeping up with the Joneses type thing, or was it, was it the pressure for you, you guys more like, if we don't do this, we're screwing up our kid. Cause that is, 
there's two pressures there and, and parents feel both of that. Well, the other parents did it, so I should. And then the other thing is like, I'm not giving my kid the, the, the best opportunity to succeed. I don't, I mean, I think it's both that a lot of this pressure stems from societal pressure, which essentially is keeping up with the Joneses. But yeah, there is, um, it's, it's probably a newer ph- phenomenon with our generation of this desperation to like, do right by your kids to be there every second to make sure that their life is enriched. And it's obviously an upper middle class thing. Maybe I think it's fully a middle class thing. Uh, And folks will extend themselves to give their kid every single advantage. So there is some pressure. I'm not going to say we did a great job of resisting it, at least early on. But I mean, now we're, uh, we're a little wiser, Matt. And we're just like, eh, enough of that. SAT prep, who needs it? Uh, it's, it's all silliness. Right. I have a, a highly editable theory that I'd like to dive into. Why don't you go ahead and <laughs> grab some coffee and sit down? I feel like, because I think some of it's warranted, and here's why. All, all these activities, it's not just about kindergarten, but I, I deal with this every day. Like if my kids aren't busy or are being engaged, the options, like they immediately go to something that I don't like. It could be staring at TikTok for four hours or playing video games or doing nothing. And I have this pressure like, oh my God, my kid's not moving. My kid's not engaging. My kid's not learning. My kid's not being social. And the pressure of that is what makes me want to load them up with activities, whether it's a private coach or not. So uh, my theory is that we're in the same cycle as we are medically in the United States, uh, where it's like, all right, eat a bunch of shitty food, eat processed food, sit around at a job where you're stagnant all day. It's okay. We have the solution. So we have this developing medical industry that that's giving us longer lives and basically treating disease, but not really treating it, just, just letting us live with it. And so it's this cycle of, of money. The other day you were that you were the communist. I'm going to go far left here and say that like there's a system in place so that we're unhealthy and then we treat the health, the, the unhealthiness, we, but we don't treat it. We just make us live with it. So I think we have the same thing going on with our kids where it's like, we're, we're giving them all these things with tablets and phones and all these ways that they can waste time. And so now we're freaking out. So we're giving them an other options by hiring personal trainers and giving loading up with activities and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's an endless cycle. You know, all this stuff costs money. So <laughs> that's my that's my theory. Where are we at? Minute thirty nine. Back to you, Lance. Uh, but does that make sense? Like the yeah. cycle. Oh, yeah. And I don't. I feel better now. Like I was thinking about because you told me, yeah, we're gonna do this thing. I mean, I don't really care. My kid has a private coach right now. I'm like, well, it's better than him doing nothing, looking at his phone, like it, or her doing that. Like, that's where I'm at right now. I, I don't even shy away from that stuff. No, I think it's rooted in fear, dude. And for some reason, there's this fear, intense fear that we are going to uh, guide our kids into the wrong thing or that they're going to make a terrible choice for themselves. And it's not until high school, because my kids are older, that you realize there's really not shit that you're going to do that's going to change who they are. And they're going to have different values than you to some extent. You're going to make different choices that you don't agree with. And there's just not a whole lot you're going to do. And so, but but there is this, I don't know, it's, it's almost like um, an addiction to uh, making our kids exceptional. 
And I, I, I'd be curious what, uh, well, we, we, we explored it in the new segment, right? Perfectionism. Right. And par- parents having so much more criticism. So tell me about your relationship to your kids and like, where do you really hammer on them? Where am I failing? Well, where do you, perhaps, but where do you hammer on them? What are you anxious about? Because the anxiety and the fear pieces is is so huge. I have issues with like effort or or the point where I'm probably overbearing. Like, and usually it's sports, but sometimes it's starting to to surface in, in education and stuff like studying, getting your homework done. Like I, I hate when I see like, when I perceive my child is not trying or not giving a hundred percent, like watching my daughter play soccer and just, and she's like not engaged sometimes and which is perfectly natural and should be okay because it really doesn't matter, but it drives me crazy. But why, why does that get to you? What, what is it about you? Were you just a constant high effort as a kid? Your whole motto in life is super high effort. So what's that? What's the rub there then? I don't know, actually. I don't like, is everything tied back to an experience in your childhood? I don't know. But I know it, it drives me crazy when they're not engaged doing something like it, it drives yeah. me nuts. For me, man, I was an anxious athlete. So I had issues uh, before games, like getting too nervous. I threw up before a lot of big games and everybody thought that was like crazy. That guy's crazy, dude. He's crazy. He's just getting pumped. He's going he's gonna to kill some people out there. And really, it was like, uh, I don't know if I can handle this. And so I know that that comes up with my own son where uh, he we often go to basketball games and he was expressing being nervous. And I would sort of like jump on him and be like, dude, it's just a game, bro. It's just freaking game. Chill, chill. And that's clearly like my own worry that he's going to develop some of that. (laughs) performance anxiety. So I think we have some You're right, Dad. stuff. I'm going to go put up 30. I'm not nervous anymore. Is that <laughs> right? Is that how that played out? Yeah, big dreams basketball. We modify adjustable basketball hoops for pale face kids. Yeah, big dreams basketball. Come to your house in the suburbs and replace the height measurement sticker. Yeah, Big Dreams Basketball. When your pale face kid thinks he's dunking on 10, he's actually dunking on 9 feet. Yeah, Big Dreams Basketball. Because believing you can jump high is the same as it being true. If we if we rewind the clock back to 1985 and little Matt come home from school, if I didn't have like a practice or something, I was out in the street or the forest or down by the creek riding my bike with my friends for three hours and nobody cared. And I was outside doing stuff. Now kids can't do that. For for some reason, people are just like, you can't go outside. You're going to die. You're going to get you're going to get attacked. You're going to get kidnapped, at least here in Costa Rica. So nobody does that unless they live in a highly secured condominium. So now a lot of it is just the fear of, all right, my kids can't do this. So I need to give them activities and places to interact with other people. I think that's a big thing. The fear factor, like a societal fear that that the world's going to hell is, is what's causing a lot of this as well. 
So some people might not, that private coach might not make your kid play for the Broncos one day, but at least it's two hours where they're interacting with somebody and they're not out in the street, potentially getting kidnapped and having their kidney sold for, for profit. Uh, yeah. Well, when you were, when well, yeah, I just, I just took a, took everyone on a journey back to Matt in 1985. You were home alone, right? Like in 1985 or, or, or like. I don't know, fifth grade, you came home from school, you had some a few hours where you were by yourself, right? Let's just say my childhood experience was vastly different from my kids. I right. My mom worked two jobs a lot of uh, my childhood and, and then my dad lived in a different state. And so I had so much alone time and we self-organized all of our play and it was, uh, it was all right, but some wild shit did happen. I mean, we, I, I had this crazy dude in the neighborhood that attacked me. Uh, this dude that I don't know if he was a Chuck Norris fan, but he was taking karate lessons and he, uh, he came up and attacked me twice. And that wouldn't have happened in, in with Lance's uh, parenting. I mean, my kids wouldn't be in a situation like that, but he, he come up and like did a leg sweep on me and slammed me <laughs> down to the ground. I'm going to laugh, but that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. It's the weirdest shit. And then later, uh, he he came out one time, started to do uh, round, try to do roundhouse kicks on me. At that point, my friend was with me, and uh, we we ended up going getting a, like a beefy high school kid to like make it stop. But that shit wouldn't happen with my kids today. In fact, we were we were traveling through Omaha, and there was a part of Omaha. It's a little seemed like a little bit rougher, and. You and your, you mean like right now, you and your, your son. Yeah. You and my family, my family and my son and had his friend with them. And they're like, all right, we're, we might just go walk around and hang out. And I'm like, (laughs) you ain't walking around here, dude. (laughs) Okay. And they just don't get what things can be like because they're so privileged. And I guess, I don't know, we're contradicting myself. I'm contradicting. Yeah. Well, con- you've, you've, you've become part of it, right? Where now you're well, like, I can't yeah. just have my kids walking around by themselves. But maybe the karate kid experience has ruined you for life. Well, right. Maybe that. But there were, all, I mean, I, I had more incidents that I probably could recall, you know, growing up that way. I guess I'm fine. But yeah, that's like- my, so my overriding question is like, what's better, right? Because we're kind of talking shit about, Oh, you, you're overloading your kids, and but then at the same time, would you would you wish that childhood on what you had on your kids? Probably, maybe a mix of some freedom, but also not being attacked, that kind of stuff. But like, <laughs> what's the you know what's the mix? Because you're you're you had actually different. You grew up a little different than me. I was always in decent neighborhoods where we could run around and play, and there was no issue. Like I would go to my friend's house by myself on a bike and come back. I didn't have to get dropped off or any of that shit. You were in like a real extreme where like there was no option to be dropped off. It was you were just going to get out there and figure it out. Right. So, well, no, my mom wasn't going to be around to drop me off. But like, no, right. I mean, I'm not trying to say I was in the south side of Chicago, but like, no, no. Yeah. I think there's some benefits because we did a lot of cool stuff like hanging out and playing games together. We did get into some mischief. I did tie a rope across a major road and tried to snag some cars, busted up a BMW that the cops chased me down for. I mean, we did some some shenanigans uh, that my kids wouldn't do. But also, like, I had girlfriends way earlier. 
I had relationships way earlier than my kids. I guess my question is, or what I don't like is the curating that we're doing as parents, the intervention, like how t- uh, attached to the hip we are to our child's experience that I'm not down with. I'm not, I, it hadn't, it had not worked for me and I'm loving how I'm feeling as I let my kid, uh, my kids go off on their own and make choices for themselves. I, I love it. I, I guess that would be my encouragement to any dad out there. It's like, just let them roll, man. You, you don't have to bark from the sideline. Nobody wants to see their kids make mistakes now. I think that's at the root of all this stuff. It's like, well, we'll just fix all the mistakes and then we don't have to worry about it. Too elite, too elite, too elite, too elite, too elite, college consulting. So I hear your son's been going wild. Oh yeah, he's got the gift, dude. That boy is elite. So doors must be opening for him, right? Oh yeah, there's a lot of interest in what he can do, man. Must be nice to be that blessed. Oh yeah, but being that elite comes with some pressure. Everybody wants to see him perform. Hey, it looks like your wife's gearing up to take some more pictures for Instagram. It's crazy these days. No matter how good you are, you still gotta promote yourself. Take a look at this pic from last week. Oh damn, that is big time. Yeah, we were proud as hell of that one. Check this one out. We snapped this one on our spring break trip. Oh, hell yeah. That boy is elite. He doesn't get it from me, man. His mom has some of that gift, but truly special what he can do. I can't wait to see him in action. You'll love it, Phil. Dad, I'm ready. On my way, and Phil is with me. Okay, no worries. Let me see what you got up in there. God damn. You better get a plunger. That kid is elite. Melanie, did you post this one to Instagram yet? I want to see what kind of hits we're getting. Dad, thanks so much for hooking me up with Two Elite College Consulting. We are Two Elite College Consulting because the Ivy League cares about your kid's stool size now. Call Two Elite College Consulting to dramatically increase the size of your child's turds. You can never be too elite. Too elite, too elite, too elite, too elite, too elite, college consulting. There is an underbelly that we're hearing more and more about of kids mental health, uh, these perfectionist kids losing their shit in college once they get confronted with um, adversity yeah, Yeah. and and reality and they can't replicate the lifestyle that their parents gave them. Uh, You you do hear more about that. I I don't know. I I guess I'm uh, back to communist Lance. I'd like to opt out of some of this hyper-competitive, capitalistic, let me monetize every little single thing in our society approach to living. And, uh, um, Cuba Lance, just hang out, have a podcast. No, I don't know. 
you you don't when so you you sound very enlightened right now but when you really because i think i sound like a douche no but just the idea like i can't control this so i need to stop worrying about it is is beautiful in a way now i'm sure there there's some stressful moments either related to grades or even more extreme stuff that kids might present to to people that take your attitude but th- there had to be a point like you're like I cannot get my kid to do better grades wise where you where you had some sense of failure right where you're just like damn it we're not I can't get them to study I can't get them above a B average or something like did you ever feel that or you just never were engaged that way? I didn't. I wasn't as engaged in the grades, but I know my wife has felt that. <laughs> you know, and there was a lot of and here's here's the I think the trickiest thing for a parent is. I don't think any of us are saying, gosh, I want to have a long-term role in my kid's life so that I'm intervening and enabling them throughout their adulthood. But yet we're we're confronted with this stuff when they're struggling is what intervention do we do? Because like, do I just let them flounder and fail out a semester? Let's say you have a kid that's struggling and learn their lesson. Aha, look at you. Aha, you've got to do summer school. Or haha, look at you didn't graduate high school, you fool. I've taught you well. Natural consequences. Or do you, you know, recognize that their brains aren't fully developed, intervene and get them on track? That is the biggest struggle for me. I'm I lean towards let it happen because that learning comes so much quicker when they um made a choice, but there are risks. There are risks potentially to doing that. I, I, it's so hard to, to say. Yeah, I, yeah, that's hard. I mean, be, we, but we, are, are, are we over worried about the consequence? So if your kid flunks out of, of, of uh, high school, is it a death sentence in the US? It, I think that's the idea is yes, it's a death sentence. Go get your McDonald's uniform. Like that, that's what people think, right? Yeah, I think people think that, but I think the hit, the heaviest hit is to the stat, your status. If my kid's doing well, uh, then I'm a great parent. If my kid is floundering, I guess I'm a piece of shit and I don't know anything. And so I better write this ship. I think it's a hit to status. We, we've seen enough stories, especially with technology of, of kids struggling early and becoming uh, fantastically successful. So I don't think we have uh, to develop some foregone conclusion about their early success. Yeah. Well, you and I are clearly on a different path right now. At least we're, we're talking like we are, but we're sitting here at, uh, what is it? Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon at 12 o'clock doing a podcast. So we've clearly identified that we're not looking for ourselves to be on the path <laughs> to success the way normal people might think about it. Let's take this to um, maybe an absurd conclusion where not only are you hands off, but now you're you're actually introducing adversity into their life. So t- talk to me about dropping your kid off in a seedy part of San Jose and just letting them survive and get home. Yeah, why San Jose? I have I have access to Nicaragua, dude. I have access to Honduras, El Salvador, like. <laughs> I could scare them pretty straight, pretty quickly if they survive. Because uh, then you add the element of kidnapping for organs, vital organs. You add, you add the element of like if you don't join our gang, our nar- our narco trafficking uh, gang will kill your family. 
things that'll set you straight, you know, put you on the right path. So I, I think it's good. They, that is another thing, right? Scared straight. Like that's a, a thing that's happening in the U.S.? It, I don't know that it's... I, you put everything <laughs> on the U.S., like all this sinister shit starts in the U.S. Because uh, nobody else needs it. There's enough problems in the world. No one needs all this bullshit once you get true. out of the U.S. Like life that's is... True. Life, and I shouldn't even say that here in Costa Rica, life's pretty chill, but you know, you go to some places, you're like, nobody needs to worry about the shit that people are worried about in the US because they got real things to worry about. Welcome to this week's installment of Open Mic. If you're still listening, you are a survivor and we commend you for it. A little background on the segment. My producer and co-host Lance is holding me accountable to three to four minutes of new stand-up comedy material every week. This is a weekly show. If we do it for a year, do the math. I will have written between 150 and 200 minutes of new stand-up comedy material. In other words, I will be the most prolific writer in the history of stand-up comedy having written the equivalent of three HBO or Netflix specials in one year. What I'm saying is, folks, if they're not all bangers, please don't get upset. I am trying as hard as I can. And with that, let's go to the material. This week's material will all relate to me teaching English to people in Asian countries online. I had a student the other day tell me that he had recently moved from Japan to Rwanda, and like a good American, I vaguely remembered Rwanda. So I said, Rwanda, I heard that they have some things going on there. To which he replied, yeah, genocide. So now there's a Japanese dude that thinks that I look at genocide the way someone might look at a flat tire or a long line at the checkout counter in your grocery store. Like, man, that genocide really threw me off my routine today, huh? Pesky little bugger, that mass execution. Am I right, guy? Netflix, by the way, if you're listening, let's cut the shit. Nobody on your roster has cornered the market on genocide material the way I have. Let's get the pens out and let's start signing some contracts and get me on air, my friends. Premise number two, my teaching, uh, if it's taught me anything, I think it's that Asian people age a lot better than us in the Western world. Uh, I had a student who I thought was maybe 15 years younger than me minimum tell me that she was about to retire to travel the world and I was like, wow, my age radar is so off. I probably missed that one by like 40 years. And that got me thinking, it's gotta be hard for men in these Asian countries because you could be talking to a girl that you think it's perfectly fine and she could actually be so young, Chris Wallace from To Catch a Predator is gonna jump out of a bush and tackle you and make you the next star of his show. Or on the other hand, she could have a titanium hip and be Miyagi's first high school girlfriend. That's right. She was there for Miyagi's first wax on, wax off session. Conversely, in some of the white countries, especially where people still smoke, you could be talking to some cute old catcher's mitt 
And you could ask her how many grandchildren she has, and she'd be like, grandchildren? I'm 27 years old, you son of a bitch. And you're like, 27? How is that possible? Are you literally chain-smoking Marlboros inside a tanning bed? What have you done to yourself? That's right, people. Premise number two involves a reference to a movie from 1982 and a show that's 25 years old. To my defense, I did not feel like Googling what's the new to catch a predator on my work computer. I thought the following feeds might be a little incriminating. Moving on to my next earth shattering premise. Uh, folks, I think it's safe to say this next block in the very near future will be referred to as the golden age of comedy. I had another student, we'll call him Hideki. We will change his name to protect the identity of someone that only exists in this premise. Hideki said to me, Matt, I like to dance. Do you like to dance? And I try to give my students some phrases that they might not read in the textbook, something they might hear on a trip to the old US of A. So I said, Hideki, I don't like to dance because I was born with two left feet. And folks, it's safe to say that one didn't land Hideki turned white as a ghost and immediately started laying into me, you freak show. Matt, you're a freak. You're a carny. You should work for the circus. You should travel from town to town so rednecks can come to your little tent and pay to see the man with two left feet. Matt, you are disgusting. And I said, Hideki, slow down. Only a few minutes ago, you could barely say the days of the week in English. And now you start busting my balls and you have Shakespeare's command of the English language? Give me a break, Hideki. And with that, I conclude this week's portion of Open Mic. Folks, if you're interested in helping me punch up some of my jokes, or you would like to have your own segment of Open Mic, please contact us at seniors94.mattandlance at gmail.com. Thanks for hanging in there, everybody, and good night now. Seniors 94 is written and produced by Matt and Lance. Jingles, commercials, and editing by Lance. Offensive comedy by Matt. Music on Loud Muffler, Badoink. Car sounds on Loud Muffler, Squashy 555. Music on Big Dreams Basketball, Sake Beats. Basketball sounds, Legna Legna 55, and Per Magnus Lindborg. Music on Two Elite, Theo JT. Fart sound on Two Elite. Under Seven, dude. Laugh Tracks on Open Mic, Kyle's, Free Sound, and UNFA. Thank you for listening.